don't care if Wednesday's bad. Thursday, Friday, American Dad. Saturday, give me Cleveland Quag. It's Sunday, I'm in Quahog. Wednesday, you can beat my ass. Thursday, Friday, show me sass. Saturday, I'll be smoking grass. Cause Sunday, I'm in Quahog. Monday, fuck. And Tuesday's always sunk my dunk. But Sunday, Peter's my good schmuck. I don't care if Wednesday's brown. Thursday, Friday, pants on the ground. Saturday, shitting all around town. But Sunday, I'm in Quahog. Another fun little break for us. Normal. It's normal to have a break like this in the middle of the summer. It's good to take a break. Hey, amen. Let's go. Wednesday, my words are all slurred. Thursday, Friday, bird is the word. Saturday, Neil Goldman's a nerd. But Sundays, I'm in Quahog. Monday, fuck. <laughs> Tuesday's always sunk my dunk. But Sunday, Peter's my good schmuck. Fart, asshole, and sniff. Burp, toenail, and whiff. Ingrown hair, boogers, and tits. Puke and guts, you could sniff on my butt. Snort and cum, it's on the list is so fun. It's our last regular episode. Farting with Mason on this here show. Stewie and Meg and Peter G come along. It's Sunday in Cohog. I don't care if Wednesday's bad. Thursday, Friday, American Dad. Saturday, give me Cleveland Quag. It's Sunday, I'm in Cohog. Wednesday, you can beat my ass. Thursday, Friday, show me sass. Saturday, I'll be smoking grass, cause Sunday, I'm in Quahog. Mm. Mm. And it was a little fart there? No, well, actually it kind of, I know it sounded like it, but it wasn't, but it actually that actually kind of fucks up what I was going to do, so I'm just going to say it anyway, though. I'm just going to say it, I'm just going to say it anyway. Okay. Mason. Noah. I came here to fuck around and fart. <laughs> <laughs> and I've already fucked. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. So I have a question. Okay, I'm ready. Also, I spit all over my screen. God damn it. I spit so much during that one. Okay, yeah. What's your question? Uh, peek behind the production curtain. You mentioned Reek. in a text message. Reek. Slam. Slam. Shit. My fart. toe. My leg. My leg. My leg. <laughs> <laughs> my leg. Okay, yeah. Peek behind the production curtain. Uh, you mentioned that something you were going to do something illegal in the parody song this week. And yeah. I'm just curious what that was in the oh. uh, in the parody song. It was the fart, asshole, and sniff, burp, toenail, and oh. To me, okay. that's illegal. That it's like when uh, in the "I Think You Should Leave" skit where Tim Robinson's like, "It's illegal for you to ask me that." I just in my mind when I was writing that because the truth of the matter is, 
whenever I've mm. listened to that real song by The Cure, that part mm. always kind of throws me off because it's kind of dramatically different in terms of pacing from the rest of the song. And yeah, it always it's the kinda, bridge. Yeah, it always kind of freaks me out a little bit. And I was like, I want to do the song because I had like a lot of thoughts on what to do. But I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do that part because it just feels so insane to me. So I had to yeah. do that. And so when I was writing that, I just kept thinking, it is illegal for you to do this part like <laughs> this. So that was that. Well, I think that that was a beautiful song parody that you gave us here on this Sunday afternoon. We have sprung ahead. Fuck. We sprung ahead, folks. It really... I was... Um, I've sprung my shit. Um, my dick is sprung. T- my spring is sprung. My, my spring is sprung. Uh, I uh, had, the for the first time since the new year... Yeah, for the first time since the new year, I had a, uh, a sidekick's bar karaoke Let's bar fucking go dude night last night yeah i had so much fun i had a pretty fun night last night i got to hang out with uh with our our very special friend our very special chef ryan kenny Let's we go. went to the cisco film center we saw this irish horror film called uh you are not my mother which i thought was actually very good very good i'd say put that on your radar if it's on the shutter app or elsewhere if it's coming around your town new Check movie it out. or new release or no uh, it was the Chicago premiere because it was okay. made in 2021, but it's it's premiere in the city of Chicago at least. I think it, pre- it played at TIFF, um, but at least it was the first time it played in Chicago. Um, so the and, wide release hasn't even happened yet. It sounds like I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what the plans since it you know it's a it's a it's a a, a, a quote unquote foreign film or whatever. You know, I don't know what it's when it, we're gonna be seeing it otherwise stateside. I would probably imagine it would be on a streaming service sometime soon. But I would say check it out. Uh, very cool, very creepy. Uh, and then uh, my friend Candace. Uh, texted me she was out with her fiance at sidekicks and candace is the reason i know about sidekicks so i was like well i have to go damn hang out with candace and and her fiance at uh, sidekicks and of course uh, i was at sidekicks when uh the time was gonna change and uh it was getting kind of late and i was looking at how much lifts were gonna cost uh and they were very expensive because they're always very expensive nowadays um and i saw i placed the order at like one i was like looking at like 120 or something in the morning and i said it wasn't gonna get me home until three and i'm like damn no way i'm not waiting an hour and 40 minutes for this car to come little did i remember little did he know which little did I know you've taught a whole class on it and at university I have actually taught a whole class on little did he know and it's just uh it's just pictures of of penises, <laughs> penises. pictures of your penis through throughout yes. the years <laughs> throughout then, the years yes and then the, everyone thinks so this is kind of a weird class and then the second week you bring in a guest lecturer and it's me and then it's just photos of my penis throughout the rest of the yeah. semester and it's yeah. even smaller somehow it's even smaller than your penis which Mm-hmm. For, for illustrative purposes, your penis is like if you cut a skittle the long way down. <laughs> that's your that's your like. Mine is if you like. Wait a minute, how do you cut a, a skittle the long way? You cut like so if it's like standing, you know, if you have it like upright. Yeah, you cut it like from the top down. Instead of across the side. Okay, yes. so it's like okay. That's how long your dick is. Yeah. 
Mine's, if you cut that in half, it's just barely seeable. And I'm like, well, we bought, we, I'm, uh, good news, I bought you guys all microscopes. Good news. I bought yeah. you guys all microscopes. Uh, I did it out of yeah. my own pocket so that people could see my penis for once. This is um, why I'm grateful I'm on a, a tenure track with my, uh, hey, ain't that with, the at, truth? At, yeah, Miskatonic University. Um, and today's day of age, Mason, you wouldn't mm-hmm. even be able to teach that class. They would, uh, out, they would outlaw it. They would, age. yeah. Cancel culture, run amok. Fellows can't even teach teach <laughs> penis studies anymore. <laughs> yeah, we're the only two people. We have graduate degrees from Oxford on penis penis yep. studies. And what good does it do in today's day of age? I'm living. I'm have five roommates. I have five roommates. Yeah. I have five hell? roommates. I have five. I have five roommates. Uh, I am a uh, a shower in a house full of growers. <laughs> if you know what I mean. God damn, there is no fucking respect these these people no. nowadays for things like that. Yeah. Man. See, my the thing with my penis is it looks normal when it's like flaccid, but then when it gets a rack, it shrinks. <laughs> when it gets when your penis gets hard when you get in a boner, it's the size of half a skittle cut the long way. So yeah. Um, Mason and I also had a late night last night and thought I was going to be affected by the, uh, by the old daylight savings bitch herself, yeah. which, is, which is what I call it. The daylight savings mm-hmm. bitch. Uh, yeah. Kind of cool. Uh, and I was actually hanging out with some friends last night. I was hanging out with some of the Everything Now folks. Uh, Chris, Jake E, Rocky P. All people we've known on, all people we've known on this show. All people on the show, hell, even people we haven't known on the show, to be quite frank. Ah, There's ah. quite a few quite a few folks there. Uh, mm. And toward the end of the night, I literally was like, I literally told people, because it was like getting to be midnight. And I was like, fuck, yeah. I'm hungry, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. I'm hungry. I didn't mm-hmm. really eat a real proper dinner. And I went up to, <laughs> went up to Chris's very nice girlfriend. We were having mm-hmm. a very nice conversation. And I told her, hey, I'm actually on my way out. Because I have to get up in the morning and do a podcast with Mason. And she said, oh, it's on the list? And I said, yes. And she said, I like that show. You guys are funny. And I said, what show are you listening to? There's no way you're actually listening to It's on the list with no one. She said, no, I am. And I said, well, thank you. Not going to say her name on air for anonymity's sake. We won't sake. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah. she is but very nice. You. Yes. Um, and then I started going around the party looking at everyone trying to make the rounds to say goodbye. Yeah. And I sort of got the opposite of an Irish goodbye. Truly. Hold up. Truly the opposite of an Irish goodbye. We're not even going to play a full one for that, just a half one. Uh, (laughs) And I get caught up talking to another group of people. And we start, like, they have the Everything Now studio in their house. It's in their garage. Mm -hmm. So there was just fucking props and wigs and costumes and shit, like, all over the walls. So people start playing with them. And this one guy starts grabbing, like, all the guns that they have, like, on the prop wall mm. and starts walking them mm-hmm. around. And I had, I, 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 I did one of my famous thought experiments <laughs> with everybody at the party last night, Mason. So I actually want to play this. It's good, kind of a game, but it's more of a thought experiment with you. Are you down? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always down for a little little thought experiment. Little, okay. Little, little party. Perfect. The thought, what did we call it on the Village episode? The Thought Experiment Saloon or something like that? Do you remember this? No. <laughs> so fucking insane. We don't even remember our own bit. Fuck. Uh, I don't remember either. I'm not saying it's you who doesn't remember. I don't fucking know either. But anyway, I kept walking around to people and said, what if I had diplomatic immunity 
And mm. I was the one who gets to decide who owns a weapon and who doesn't. Oh, okay. And that was the thought. <laughs> that was the thought experiment. And so people were kind of mad. What is what is there for the the other person to to think about? Like I, when I th- when I hear thought experiment, I'm thinking like kind of a would you rather sort of situation where okay. it's like let me say it differently yeah. then. Okay. Would you rather it be the way it is now, or would you rather have it be I get to decide who gets to own a weapon and I have diplomatic immunity, so no matter what happens with the weapon they use, I can't be uh, at fault. Oh, I see. Okay. Um. Well, just from just from my my experience being on this show, uh, you are a a generous, considerate uh, co-host and person, and I think that you would uh, handle that responsibility with the the, the weight that it's that it's uh, uh, that it requires. Uh, sure. I think that you would um, absolutely, you know, uh, you wouldn't rush into giving somebody uh, a weapon you would, re- you would really weigh all the options um you know think it think it through um uh i i but you know with that in mind uh i would like to request if your your benevolence um i want a chain mace you know like just one of those is it because it the, is part the, of your name and it is that why you want it is yeah that part of i always request? thought they were cool yeah i always thought that those were the coolest like medieval weapons maybe that's just because you know it's 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 part of my name but it's just what's wrong with like just uh, a spiky ball on a chain you know that you just go whoop 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 and smash it into the the side of some uh french guy you know in the okay. crusades or whatever the so, fuck so here's here's what i'm gonna do because i am a mm-hmm. benevolent lord and because i have mm-hmm. a lot of power in this situation i am gonna grant you chain mace but there is a condition okay okay mm-hmm. you can't it can't leave your house so it's okay. So it's just an at home. It's an at home. Okay. It's an it's an at home toy. Gotcha. You know how there were some okay. toys that you had to leave at home because they were too insane. If you lost it for some reason, it would be like a huge fucking thing. Like be yeah. <laughs> fucking awful if you lost it. This is for you. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's at home. Cool. I'm choking that's, on that, my own spit over here, but yeah, that's the that final work. It, yeah, that might work out okay. I, I am very fidgety, even at home. And, like, if I'm sitting on the couch watching something or reading, uh, it would be nice just to have a little something I could just, like, swing next to me. Yeah. Um, and, honestly, it's on my roommates if they're not paying attention sure. and they get uh, maced in the dick. Sure. When you're watching, like, Friends or something, it'd be kind of fun yeah. to have it just swinging around. Big Bang Theory, mm-hmm. possibly. Yeah. That's another show. So no like. one told you life was going to be this way. Hold on, my leg! Oh. My leg! <laughs> <laughs> um, who are some other people? Just name people, whether they're whether they're real or whether they're or not real, I was going to say. Whether they're, they have to be real. That's the stipulation. Mm. They have to be real. Oh, that's the stipulation. Name, okay, name people, real people. Well, hold on. I'm not fucking finished. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not fucking finished. Mm-hmm. Name real people, whether we know them personally or not. And mm, I will okay. tell you if they get a weapon. Okay. Um, let's start with, uh, well, let's start. First person that came to mind, just because I saw him yesterday, does our friend Ryan Kenny get a weapon? No. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Uh, what about uh, George W. Bush? Yep. Yep. George W. Bush. He can have as many as okay. he wants, as far as I'm concerned. Is, it, is that weapon that thing between his legs? Is that oh. weapon that thing? Oh. oh. That guy does not, though. Oh. 
That guy no. does not. Dick Cheney does not get a weapon because uh, Dick Cheney biggest, does not get a weapon. Well, his biggest weapon is his mind, as far as I'm concerned. Oh sure, his beautiful oh, mind. Oh sure, oh sure, so, oh, sure. He doesn't need any. Uh, he doesn't need an extra advantage. What about um, uh, what about Toni Morrison? Uh, the late author Toni Morrison. Does she get a weapon? Uh, yes, because she is dead. Because she is dead, Simple she enough. gets a weapon. Uh, because she can't, she can't inflict any harm. I think that's probably enough of this bit. Welcome to It's On The List with Noah and Mason. I am, of course, the funny talking baby, whether you like it or not. Noah M. With me as always. My good bitch, Mason M. The funny talking that's dog. Me. Mason. Hello. Hey, hey. <sighs> Ain't hungry no more. Mm, that's good eating. <laughs> Ain't hungry no more, Mason. Mm, that's good eating. That's what I say. Good, uh, good. What is it? Good, <laughs> good food. Good meat. Good, good, good Lord. Meat, let's good eat. Lord, let's eat. <laughs> let's podcast. There it is. Just fucking snot all over a plate. Yeah. Just a just a serving tray. They lift it off. Oh yes, chef special, and it's just snot on a serving tray. Mm-hmm. Kind of cool. You know what we uh, you know what we said for our uh, evening grace before dinner at home growing up. Uh, I mean, thank you. We still do when I'm in dinner at home. You say thank you, God, so, for this stupid food. Is that what you say? Uh, we say God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him for our food and our family. Amen. <laughs> That's mom looking at everyone, going and our family. Yes, <laughs> making absolutely. sure that everybody says. Looking at looking at Sister Kellen. Say it. Yes. Say it. Mm-hmm. Looking at mm-hmm. Dad. Okay, Dad. Enough fucking mm. around. Say and the family, and he just starts eating. The chicken. Yeah. Yeah. And we throw in a little, and, and in between the, uh, and our family and the amen, if somebody needed, if we needed to bless somebody, if they were in the hospital or just having an all around bad time, we'd say, and God bless so-and-so, God bless so-and-so, God bless so-and-so. So usually it's God bless me, right? Usually you're God blessing me. Yeah. Normally they, no, normally they say, and God bless Mason and give me like this, just this sideways <laughs> look, you know, like just this. I got a bee on a test, Mom. What's up? <laughs> I got Mama Bee's actually really good cons- considering considering Mama Bee's good. Considering, yeah. Jeff got a Jeff got a C minus. Jeff got a C minus on the test. I actually I was one of the top eighty people in the class, Mom. Mm-hmm. Does she go for that? I'm or a bee. She... I'm a bee. I'm a I'm a I'm a bee. I'm a bee bee. I'm a bee bee bee. bee. I'm, I'm a Babylon bee, bee bitch. Stinging all my. Homie, stinging all my lib, my libs, stinging the libs. There you go, there you go, stinging the, stinging the libs. Welcome to it's on the li- That would be awesome if, uh, you know, you know, this show's winding down, and then in a couple weeks, I'm like, I'm ready to go back in the podcast game, and I just come back, and I'm a, uh, I'm a, a conservative, <laughs> fucking man, just a man cow type motherfucker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chicago's Chicago's finest. Uh, the next governor of Illinois, man cow. <laughs> What's up, everybody? That was more Tom Likas than anything, too. <laughs> oh, God. Do you need that some water? Are you okay? Up. He needs some water. <laughs> he needs some milk. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back in real quick. Welcome everybody to the Man Cow Show in the morning. It's me, Man Cow, on your Sunday, Ugh. Sunday, Sunday. Commute to church. You're gonna fuck the preacher. Fuck the preacher. That's what he sounds there we like, go. right? That's the stuff. That's what we want to hear. 
Well, Mason, it's 72 degrees in my apartment, but I can't turn the AC on because it'll ruin the sound. So you know what that means, right? Oh, what does that mean? Tell me what that means. We might as well get fucking started with the show. Absolutely. For real. This is the final Noah Jams Volume 3. Final Noah Jams. So, of course, you know I had to do it to him. You know I had to do it to him, folks. Uh, I brought the album in the movie again. And like Chef Dustin a few weeks back, I was kind of saving this one uh, for sort of mm-hmm. the the the, fi- the final position here for a lot of different reasons. But I don't hear anybody talk about this album ever, and I was like, "Well, time to bring time to bring it on." It's on the list with Noah and Mason, the podcast about underrated albums, movies, and a whole lot more. Today for the album, we are talking about Stereo by Mr. Paul Westerberg. Burp, burp, a little uh, and a uh, a wimpy burp, wimpy burp. Mason, I got a lot Hello. to say about the. Hey, <laughs> hey, what's up, Mason? In the morning, in the morning. Hi, it's hey. me. Good morning. Good Happy morning. birthday. Happy birthday to you. Um, it's my friend Olivia's birthday today. Today, not when the episode comes out, but today, the the uh, what is it? The eleventh of of thirteenth. The thirteenth. You done saying that so that I can ask you what I was going to ask you? <laughs> of course. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Mason, I have a lot to say about this album, but mm-hmm. what is your history with Paul Westerberg and Stereo? Uh, I think anything, any, any, my history with uh, Paul Westerberg and the replacements was covered on our Please to Meet Me app uh way back in the uh the lockdown pandemic days is that when we did that one yeah it was like no, november of tw- i think it was november of 2020 so right at the end of 2020. okay okay uh so i th- whatever i said back then uh i think i i don't know if i would a- could add more uh can i you, can you remind uh, the folks maybe for who, ha- who have not been sticking with us since november yeah, 2020 can, they, can, they can look back i i didn't listen it doesn't matter to me um oh, it just okay uh yeah, uh, I, and what this pro, uh, his solo stuff, uh, I haven't. Uh, well, here's the stuff with the solo stuff. Uh, past guest, actually, past chef uh, Haley B. One time, we were just talking in Instagram about Instagram DMs about music, and she recommended a handful of albums. I think one was a Jessica Pratt album. Uh, one was uh, a Bjork album. I think her live album, Classic and another was Haley this. B. A classic Haley B, classic Haley B. Uh, and another was a Paul Westerberg, um, like kind of jazz standards album, like him oh, interesting. singing like jazz standards. Yeah, so I listened to that, um, and it was like sort of the thing where I'm like, okay, this is this is interesting, um, but it wasn't really um, scratching any particular itch for me. Uh, I'd heard Mr. Rabbit on a Discover Weekly back in my LA days on Spotify. And that's about it in terms of his solo stuff and this project. I guess, you know, uh, Cliff Notes uh, uh, for The Replacements. I think the first Replacement song I heard was Alex Chilton on, like, Rock Band or, or Guitar Hero. Uh, uh, Max L, friend Max L, Lazerine, former guest also, was a very big Replacements fan when we were in college. Oh, is, is still now, but in, in college, I was like, oh, like, you know, Max is a cool guy. He's a cool taste in music. He likes this band a lot, so I listen to them a little bit. 
uh, great little mid uh, Midwest rocks uh, kind of swaggy swaggy band. Um, That's for damn sure. Yeah. And uh, but I had no familiarity with with stereo here, uh, aside from Mr. Rabbit, and that's where I end. That's it. Yeah, Mr. Rabbit's kind of the one that ended up. To say it popped off is a little bit of an overstatement in terms of this album just as a whole, because mm-hmm. nothing really popped off from this album in like a mainstream way. But Mr. Yeah, Rabbit but is one... is by far the song that has the most plays on the album. Like, yeah, by far. I, I don't. I don't know how this Spotify Discover Weekly algorithm works, but I would hazard to guess that, that pops up on a lot of people's algorithm playlists, you know? Yeah, I would say that so one in too. particular. Yeah, it's yes, I would agree. Um, and I can't exactly remember when I discovered this album in particular, but like I said on the previous episode, and I'll I'll go into it. I'll go into it. Uh, we covered me well, please to meet me by the replacements which Paul Westerberg was the front man for. In November of 2020, big fan of theirs as well. That album's great. Uh, I think it's what is it? I think it's called "Let Me Be" or "Let It Be" or something like that. Whatever their whatever it's the "Let It Be," is. yeah, "Let It Be," yeah, it's it came be. out right before that is great with Androgynous and Answering Machine and all that shit is great. They got a bunch of Tim got a bunch of great. Tim's songs. a great album. Tim is a great album. One of the best closing songs ever. Here, uh, here comes a regular is just heartbreaking as fuck. Um. And so I love them, and I guess I had kind of known who Paul Westerberg was outside of The Replacements, only in the sense that one time I had the song Dyslexic Heart come on to Discover Weekly, I think. Do you know that song? Uh, Not ringing a bell. Okay. It's like, ba-da-da-da, ba-da-da, ba-da. And so I, like, I like loved that song because it was really poppy and really catchy. And no, I think that I sounds like it. Can't Touch This by MC Hammer. Okay, well, uh, can't touch this is we're the right side. It's less dangerous. <laughs> Here we are now. Fuck my asshole. And so that's that's yeah, that's 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 that song <sighs> for real. Um, but I posted the dyslexic card. I think probably Instagram or something. And actually, Mason, former roommate Colin, DM'd me when I posted that mm. on Instagram and said, "That is the Have you seen Singles, the Cameron Crow film?" And I said, "No." And he said, oh, well, that is the, like, quote-unquote theme song of that movie, is Dyslexic Heart. Mm. And that was, like, a, I think it was after Say Anything, but before Jerry Maguire, like, somewhere in between. Yeah, it's right in between there. It's kind of, singles would be a good topic for this show, because it's kind of the in-between movie uh, of, uh, it would would have been a good topic for this show. I've never seen it, though, but, but, but Colin, my former roommate Colin does, does like that movie quite a bit. Yeah, Cameron. Crow, I love Cameron Crow. I know he's done some weird, weird, weird. Made some weird decisions creatively, maybe post um, almost famous. But I love that guy. I love Cameron Crow. It's hard not yeah. to love him. To be honest with you, I saw Vanilla Sky for the first time recently, uh, and that is an insane movie. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> that That's... is maybe the most two thousand two movie ever made. Damn, is he like listening to like? <laughs> <laughs> Listen to like Crazy Town, Butterfly, like Crazy Town, or something. I think that song actually does show up in that movie, which Damn. is awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. That song is fucking awesome. That song gets me fucking ready to fuck. Anyway, so former roommate Colin told me about that with singles, and I just was like, you know what? I'm a big fan of the replacements, but I hadn't really dove into Paul Westerberg solo stuff. So I'm gonna get I'm gonna get into it a little bit. I think I had heard Mr. Rabbit, like you said, on Discover Weekly. And so I was sort of poking around a little bit. He's got, what are some other albums he's got here? Uh, the other album that is amazing, 
that he did. If you like Paul Westerberg or The Replacements and haven't heard his album called Eventually, which came out in 1996, that is a great solo release as well. There's some amazing songs on that. Some good stuff on 14 Songs, which came out in 93, which was sort of like his, hey, I'm here, I'm still making music type thing after The Replacements sort of fell apart. Uh, and I haven't really listened to a ton else otherwise. And then the album before is called Suicane Gratification, which is a wild ass name for an album. Mm-hmm. And I've listened to a couple, I listened to like the first like quarter or first third of that album, and it was all right. Um, but I listened to Mr. Rabbit and I was like, fuck it. It was like probably late summer, early fall of last year. We're going to listen to this whole thing. And that was a transitory period for me. I was leaving Portland to come back to LA. And I listened to this full thing. Sometime in that time period, and I just was so hooked on this thing. I remember texting the Spotify link to you, Rocky, just a bunch of other people who I thought maybe would dig this, and I'm like, this is, I don't hear anybody talk about this album. I don't hear anybody talk about really Paul Westerberg's solo stuff outside of, you know, maybe Dyslexic Heart or whatever. And I didn't even know that that was him in The Replacements when I heard that song in, like, sophomore year of college or whatever. And so I, like, I had to bring this on the show for better or worse because I feel like this is maybe one of my most, like, underrated gems, to be honest with you. Like, this is one of those for me where I'm like, damn, people got to know about Stereo by Paul Westerberg for a multitude of reasons which I'll get into. But that's more or less why I wanted to bring it on the show, why I was sort of saving it to the end. But Mason, what was it like for you listening to this MFR? Um... So, I eased into my listening chair. Uh, so, uh, with the, the change of, of, of the clocks, we also got in Chicago a change of weather. I think the cold during the day, at least, has stopped. And it, now it's like 50, de- it's, right when we're recording, it's like 50 degrees out. Looking forward on the forecast, I don't think we're going to have like cold nights, but the days are going to be pretty nice. Um, uh, so I spent yesterday, uh, which was Saturday, Saturday, yesterday, they dyed the Chicago River green as they do every year. Let's fucking go. St. Patrick's Day. I did not go out for that. I elected to stay in and just like kind of have after like two weekends in a row of doing like kind of a lot of activities or planning a lot of activities for myself. I was like, I just kind of want to take it easy yesterday so i just like kind of sat in my chair the first part of the day listened to some music um finished reading uh court of owls the batman comic which is really really fucking good um and i like rearranged my apartment and then i got to be uh clean up my room a little bit rearrange my apartment and then i got to be a little stir crazy i had to run an errand to a buddy of mine who lives in uh my buddy danny who lives in uh the square with his uh girlfriend and then, then when I was out, I had a little, um, I was like, I'll, I'll just take a little bit more advantage of the fact that I'm out now. I went up to uh, Bric-a-Brac Records in their new location. I picked up uh, The River, the Bruce Springsteen album, my favorite Bruce Springsteen album, uh, on vinyl. Uh, and I came home, and I was like, okay, I have just the right amount of time to listen to this album um, and uh, before I had to go downtown to meet Chef Ryan for, for the movie last night. Amen. Uh, so I'm sitting in my easy chair and, uh, Noah had, uh, suggested that this would be a good album to listen to at night. So it was like finally dark. I was sitting in the chair, which like looks out over, you know, the intersection that my apartment's off, just like kind of watching the people go past, watching the traffic go past. And, um, I was, I was 
surprised the first time listening to it how uh, kind of melancholic a lot of these songs are. Um, because I was used to Mr. Rabbit and just like kind of um, not that Paul Westerberg's songwriting as I understand as I have a, a a place for it in my mind isn't melancholic or whatever. Um, but I really uh, was settling into that like kind of mood. Um, and I, I tried not to resist that those feelings too much, but the first time listening through there, were, uh, I was giving the heart when anything like kind of popped to me, like just if there was a couple, like a melody or something. And I ended up really, really liking the album and at least half of the album on first listen here. I gave the heart off the bat to only lie worth telling no place for you. Boring, enormous. We may be the ones, which I think is my Zevon. Uh, Don't Want Never, Mr. Rabbit, and Let the Bad Times Roll. Um, Those are really the ones that were popping to me on Listen Last Night. And then, uh, audience, Noah. Yes. uh, You rang. I rang. uh, (laughs) When you, when Noah um, uh, 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 said, this is what I want to talk about on the show after we were done recording last week, you also um, put on my radar... Paul Westerberg's project is Grandpa Boy, which yes. is mono, and came like kind of in a package between mono and stereo. And I was looking at that album, and I'm like, okay, like this is like, um, at the time, I'm like, stereo, I really like the tracks that, that popped to me. Um, I think that it's a pretty good catalog of some home recordings that Paul Westerberg did. It really reminded me of the, uh, the, uh, uh, Rivers, Rivers Cuomo, Cuomo album, yeah. yes, alone, yes. Um, which has some really good, which I think is a pretty decent sl- collection of songs on there as well. But then I put on mono. It's like I'll just try this out. Well, I'll give this one a little shot. Uh, and mono, I think mono is a Maguire snip, Whoa. a Maguire, a Maguire gulp gulp gulp. Give me all of that you got kind of album. I re- for maybe it was just like what else I was listening to that day or just where I was in my headspace, but just like the kind of like the, 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 like the kind of more garage rock little, um, bit of that. Like it just popped for me and I had such a blast, um, from stem to stern on, on mono. Uh, it was a, I'd say it's a much more fun listen than I had listening to stereo. But then I put on stereo again this morning and I was just like, I really do just appreciate just the songwriting on this. I like that it there is like a kind of uh, a roughness to it. Some of these tracks just like cut out. Some of them seem like kind of mixed a little quiet and like and like come and go. Um, on the whole, I still would like probably. Uh, I, I still think that if I'm going to listen to a full album top to bottom, I'd probably pick mono over stereo. But there's individual, like I said earlier, there's individual tracks in stereo that that really, really, really are are popping for me, um, and that I like uh, quite a quite a bit. Um, and that's it. That's my thoughts. Okay, <laughs> just kind of surprised to be honest with you. Uh, I think mono is fine, uh, ultimately, but I don't think it's like. I'm just surprised, I guess, more than anything, to be honest with you. Um, obviously, Paul Westerberg is a disciple and acolyte of the Big Star uh, family of the Big Star Boys, mm-hmm. Alex Chilton, Chris Bell, Jody something, and Andy Hummel, Jody Stevens, I think. Um, 
And I think that that's you hear that huge in stereo, uh, because some of these songs at their core are like really sad, like truly very sad songs. But yeah. the way in which he is delivering them to you, you wouldn't necessarily get that right off the rip if you were just listening to it on a melodic sense. And I think that Big Star does a very similar thing. Um, and so that's kind of just that first sort of layer of intrigue that I have about this album where I'm like, damn, some of these songs are really sad, but there is sort of like a wistfulness to them. They're not like heavy mm. and like, you know, like, fuck you, like type of thing. Like they're very wistful. Like I they think they go down sort of easy in a way. Um, so that's one thing that I really like about this album. And I actually think similarly to Absolutely, the album we covered last week by Dijon, this kind of mm. does feel like a short story collection in some ways, too, which I always appreciate in an album. And I think that the Dijon goes, obviously, about it in a much different way than Paul Westerberg does in this album. This one feels much more like song break, song break, whereas absolutely kind of feels like, whoa, like you're going down a fucking slide mm. just all at once, head down first, and you're like, which way am I going to go? But I think what I love about stereo more than anything is sort of this intangible quality to it um and that is to me this album sort of feels like a death rattle for westerberg he had sort of done a lot of great stuff up until this point with the replacements he tried to go out on his own he had had demons in the past you know with you know alcoholism and substance abuse and just addiction in general and he kind of said, you know what? At the time, when this album came out in 2002, he said, mm. enough, of the, enough is enough. Enough of the big show stuff. We're just going back to basics. We're just going to go back to basics. We're going to record this shit in my basement or my garage or wherever he was. And we're just going to lay down some songs that mean something to me. And similarly to how I feel about the Irishman, the Martin Scorsese movie, The Irishman, Marty will probably keep making movies for as long as he can, I would guess, mm -hmm. even after. But there's something about The Irishman, when I watch that, where I sort of feel like that was like the end of something when I watched The Irishman. Like that was sort of like the end of this feeling yeah. or this chapter or this moment. And that's how I feel when I listen to this, where I'm like, yeah. this is like a death rattle for this guy. It's a comeback in the moment, but looking back on it, I mean, he hasn't really released anything in like 15 you know, years at this point. Well, through Paul Westerberg, that is. And I just well, look at dead. this. Paul Westerberg's not dead. Paul Westerberg's dead. No, sir, he is not. He is still alive. Maybe I'm thinking think of Alex Chilton then. Alex Chilton died in 2010. Okay, maybe that's what's, that's what's fucking me up. Okay. I thought Paul Westerberg died. That's weird. Okay. You can confirm it, but I am ninety. No, I'm going to confirm. Yeah, eight percent sure that Paul Westerberg is alive. He's in his sixties. Yeah. Okay. Like okay. That. That's my mistake. I. He wrote a motherfucking song called Alex Chilton, and they are linked inextricably in my mind until I die. Oh. Until one of them. Yeah, one of them oh. Dies. Oh. Well, I guess that, and that's just what I think is it, like. Well, that's what speaks to me most is that it's just this bare, naked vulnerability that to me is very stark and shocking on this album especially knowing what he was sort of doing beforehand where his life was beforehand and then just these songs themselves on this album i think baby learns to crawl as like a starter on the album 
it kind of is like buckle up, <laughs> buckle up, baby. Like yeah. life can be yeah. hard, but you can do it, and that's what this album feels like to me, pretty much all the way through. Only lie worth telling. So beautiful, such mm-hmm. a beautiful song. I cannot believe that that song didn't get... That's maybe my Zevon, to be honest with you, of the album. If, if not the whole, like, most of the fucking songs on this album. There's a couple that I'm not super crazy about, but that's what I love about this album, ultimately, more than anything else, is that feeling of just, like, I got one breath left in me, and this yeah. is what I'm going to do. It's like an unintentional swan song. Yeah, a uh, couple... Point. I, I agree with you somewhat on the Irishman. What, what I like, the Irishman is definitely like a kind of the bow on at least his working relationship with with Robert De Niro Um, of, you know, and that like kind of the idea of a Martin Scorsese like picture as it exists in the sort of the macro. Um, I like the Irishman quite a bit and I am also happy that he's going to keep making movies because that's like I don't know what was in the air or something recently but I was really in a like listen to Marty Scorsese commentaries and interviews on YouTube kick a little recently um and that he's as he's as long as he has the energy to make movies um you know I I'm really happy but I do agree that it's it's with the Irishman it is just kind of like his 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 final like maybe personal statement i'm so excited for whatever he's going to do with killers of the flower moon because if you listen to a lot of if you listen if you were absorbing as much marty as i have recently you know that he loves his fucking westerns and now that he's getting his shot i'm really excited to see what he does with that um with this what i really like both of these so stereo and mono were both like um recorded towards the end of his life and i guess just like you know he's not he's not dead well, no, okay, so uh, in his middle age, I suppose, in his middle age, um, and uh, he has a little bit more, like, life under his belt, and he's, like, writing these songs and sharing that perspective on him, which I really, really appreciate on stereo, but I guess just for me, if if I'm looking, like, I, I just, I don't know if I'm looking for this all the time, but just the stuff that really um, speaks to me you know, I, I think that there is some really strong songwriting and uh, uh, an incredible, you know, perspective here. And that vulnerability is front and center. Um, and st- even from the first, like, notes of Baby Learns to Crawl, I knew that I was it was going to be putting me in this sort of, like, more, like you said, wistful, kind of melancholic, bittersweet kind of space. And I don't dislike that music, but it doesn't, like... I want to, when I'm listening to music, even just like sitting in my chair, I kind of just want to be like moving or just like feeling, uh, uh, feeling a little something or other, you know? And that's what I got out of mono. Like, that's what I liked about mono so much is like, this guy still has this fucking like verve and rocker energy to him that I think like, you know, uh, it's, it's so as you get older and, you know, you can't take in more, um, you know, you kind of have to abandon your, your rock star lifestyle, I suppose, or else you're going to fucking die. Uh, or just the shit that you're putting into your body is going to kill you. But there's that energy still there that just like kind of that drive, that like swagger that's in, in his songwriting. I really just, I responded to that a little stronger than, than the stuff in, in stereo. Not that I dislike stereo by any means. I really, really did. Like, uh, I liked it more when I was coming back this morning and just, like, popping through. Um, it was singing to me a little stronger. But I just really, really, really 
I, I put on a little bit of mono, like, right before you we were going to start recording, which is why I was a little late to the record here, hee hee ha ha, because I just wanted to, like, have that fucking energy going through me, have that kind of, that, that power, that, like, kind of, that swagger, that kind of, uh, uh, take it, you know, kind of, uh, just, just, just that kind of rowdiness I really, really like more in, in, in music, I guess, or I guess from rock music, whatever. The, uh, I guess, okay, okay. Um, favorite tracks on this are Baby Learns to Crawl. I think that is a great opening great track. Song. Uh, got that little Zydeco or that accordion in there or whatever it is. Something, that little at the end or whatever where it's just like all kind of coming together. Uh, Only Lie Worth Telling, We May Be the Ones is phenomenal. So unbelievably good. Yeah. It's like kind of insane that that i feel like that song exists almost to be honest with you it just sort of feels Same like it here. Came from someone's soul yeah i feel like that song should be like in graduation slideshows you know yeah 100 percent. yeah yes uh don't want never the way that that just sort of like crescendos yeah. into just this yeah. inexplicable ending where it just cuts off i'm like that's crazy and i maybe wasn't even on purpose because obviously this album was recorded just so amateurishly, you know, by himself, you know, one guy doing everything, but it just cuts off and you're just like, fuck, that just works so well. Mr. Rabbit yeah, obviously awesome. is kind of just, you know, the the kicker of the whole album coming at the end. It's like, we got a little bit more, bop, 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 and just sort of like lifts your spirits. And my, maybe my favorite song on the album is Call That Gone, which the ending track is split into two halves on the oh, Spotify sure. release. Because yeah. of how because of how the album like originally ended, which was it was a hidden track, postcards from paradise. But call that gone just is like end of the football game, like you're feeling down or whatever, and it's that like final pick me up of like brother, just keep getting out there and keep doing your shit. Uh, mm. And I just I love it. I think it's so awesome, and I think it's the perfect way to end this album of just what feels like a guy who was. Maybe disrespected, maybe just feeling like completely down and out, you know, about where he was musically, personally, whatever. Really just being like, I, I, I can do this. It, there's a confidence to this album, both in the artistry and in sort of the what it's giving to its listener that I just love. I just love and I can't get enough of it. And I truly do think, Mason, that this is a very haunting album and I think that this is going to stay with you and you're going to keep coming back to those songs that you do like and maybe you'll find more that you eventually like you know cling on to or whatever maybe not but i really do think that this is like this is going to stay with you i think it's one of those albums that just stays with people i'm not saying it won't i'm not, I'm not saying, saying you're saying means. it won't i'm just saying i think it will ultimately like two months from now six months from now a year from now whatever I think it will stay with you. I think it's one of those. I think that's the kind of album it is. Yeah. Uh, I want to get something correct on the record. Uh, because I'm a, a doo-doo, dumb, dumb fart face, uh, the Haley B album was actually an Alex Chilton album. <laughs> <laughs> was it Flies Like Sherbert? It was Flies Songs like from Sherbert? Robin Hood Lane. It was oh, Songs okay. from Robin Hood Lane. Classic. Which is like a collection of uh, he has, My Baby Just Cares For Me, uh, like someone in love, time after time, don't like the sun catch you crying. A st- kind of a standards album. Um, uh, yeah, very 
So just sorry if anyone was screaming at me in their car listening. He's like, you're talking about songs from Robin Hood Lane, you motherfucker. They're screaming at you like, why isn't he podcasting the way I want him to podcast? Why is he saying exactly what I want him to say at all times? And ladies and gentlemen out there listening to this podcast, uh, a fucking men. A fucking men did that. I ain't, hey, I'm not anyone's little fucking puppet, man. I ain't no one's fucking puppet. That's true, man. That's true. You're always saying that. Uh, just to speak on mono real quick, it is technically a de facto double album with mono and stereo. Mono being the grandpa boy alter ego. It's a fun album. It's extremely fun. High Time is an amazing song. I think Kick in the Stall between Love and Like and Triple A is an amazing way to end an album. Just those three back to back to yeah. back. It feels like yeah. like like you know each part each like each of those songs like steps up to the plate and like hits a home run each time. Like you know it's like holy shit. Like watching those songs hit home runs is amazing. And yeah, that is an album worth listening to as well. And it's you know kind of the other side of the coin. I feel like if you put on mono first and then listen mm-hmm. to stereo. I think it would be a very interesting experience. I have never done that personally myself because I've only actually known about mono for probably about a week and a half, two weeks by the time this episode comes by the time this episode comes out. But it's sort of like a two sides of the same coin type of thing. I think that that's one side yeah. of Paul Westerberg. You know, that's and possibly because of the advanced age and just where he was, you know, mentally and emotionally, he felt like he needed an alter ego, you know, to maybe still go there, you know, possibly. Uh, I mean, I've never been in a band, but I've known musicians and people that have been in bands. And I think it's just like, uh, you have like musicians approach there's this song craft as a project and more often it's like, oh, this is my project, such and such. This is my project, such and such. This is my project, such and such. The difference with Grandpa Boy is there's the songs are much more, I guess, you know, uh, filled out and you can kind of hear, there's like a, uh, uh, when I was listening to stereo, what I really liked is like, okay, I can kind of probably tell that, you know, Paul was laying down these tracks just, just by himself, um, maybe calling in some friends or something to, you know, play drums or do some other, you know, backup on things. Uh, grandpa boy from top to bottom feels more like a band that he got together. I think, uh, not doing any research into that on my own. Um, but it does feel more like just another, uh, uh, project that he had. Um, and you know, maybe he wanted like, maybe like what you're saying, you know, like he, he adopted this sort of grandpa boy sort of alter ego to take the pressure off, uh, or do whatever his, 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 uh, uh, fucking motivations were. Um, but, uh, I don't know who can, who can truly know the minds, the minds. Who could truly go there? Who can truly actually know what's going on in the mind of a podcaster? Who, Who can, can truly, truly know? know? Who can what know? Is, what is it? What uh, what is that? What, oh God! Why did this just pop into my head? What is the thing where it's like, for the mind of the fun? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like it's just like it's that rhythm. It's like, it's like is it a flight mm-hmm. of the Concords? Maybe it's a flight of the Concords thing. Do you know? What oh, I'm maybe about? it is. Uh, let me just pull Step up. Step away from the mouth with the, with something, the huge giant ass or something like that. Do you know what I'm doing? I, I'm like doing a bad job of explaining it, but it's is it the hip, if it's the hip hopopotamus versus the rhinoceros? I don't think it's that, but I do like that where it's a hip hopopotamus. Yeah. My lyrics are bottomless. Lyrics are bottomless. I'm the hip hopopotamus. My lyrics are bottomless. No, 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 no. <laughs> you have to keep going, dude. You have to fucking keep going. Uh, I don't remember what it is. Something, 
If someone knows what the fuck I'm talking about, please DM me because I actually yeah, please as fuck please right send now. us an email. <laughs> Do not send us an email. We're done with emails. Emails are done. We're done with emails. We're not done with emails. Well, technically we are. Uh, I think that's all I have to say about this. I would listen to both. Mono is more of a rocker to more rocker good time. Stereo is a little more introspective, a little bit more of a melancholic, you know, singer songwriter thing. I prefer stereo to mono. Mason prefers mono to stereo, and Mason at the end of the day. I guess that's just sort of how the podcast works. Ultimately, at the end of the day, is yeah. I like something and you like something else, and that's fine. And that's fine. It's on the list, and that's fine. It's on the li- Both are on the list? Maybe. We'll find out actually here in a sec. And that's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. The list, the list is the albums and movies we covered along the way, Mason. The parody songs that we didn't get. We are the parody songs that didn't make it onto the fucking show, Mason. There we we are the podcasters yeah. who missed out on World War fucking two, Mason. And I, I took, I took the podcast not recorded, and, and that and was all. Was that the, made all the difference, and that made all the difference in audio fidelity. Yeah. Yes, in audio. Two podcasts, two podcast hosts diverged in a yellow wood, and they both shit their dicks. Okay, Paul Harold Westerberg is an American musician. Pretend I didn't say shit your dicks. Paul Harold Westerberg is an American musician, best known as the lead singer, guitarist, and songwriter for The Replacements. Following the breakup of The Replacements, Westerberg launched a solo career that saw him release three albums on major record labels. Following the release of his third solo album, Westerberg had been mostly releasing music that had been self-produced and recorded in his basement home studio. He released two albums and an EP under the pseudonym Grandpa Boy. In 2017, Westerberg released songs on SoundCloud as user 964-84-8511. That is his oh, man. name. Mr. Westerberg, if you need help, we can help you change your name on SoundCloud. Think, we'll be happy to. Jesus. I think he liked, uh, he may have liked one of our episodes on Spotify. Let me double check that. Uh, Good for him. Good for him for getting yeah. in there. Uh, and he released music in, on Bandcamp as Dry Wood Garage. Is that, does that mean anything? Is that a thing, a dry wood garage, or is that just a sentence? I think those are just, I think that those are uh, three words put together. Cool. Me too. In the late 70s, Westerberg was working as a janitor for the U.S. Senator David Durenberger. And on one day while walking home from work, he heard a band practicing Yes's Roundabout. In a basement. There we go. Hell Fucking yeah. Awesome. Straight song. In, uh, was it in uh, School of Rock? Doesn't Jack Black look at what's his face and go, listen to the keyboard solo on Roundabout? It'll blow the, like, smoke out of your ass or something like that. Yeah, I think like so. That. Yeah, yeah. Gives it to Miles. Is that his name, Miles? The I think keyboard Lawrence. player? Lawrence. Lawrence. Lawrence, yeah. Let's rock. Let's rock. Let's, Let's rock. rock today. Let's rock today. Oh my god! And when he's like, he's doing the keyboard solo at the end, he's just like pointing Ooh. out to the audience, and then he does a. <laughs> Your son is very skilled. <laughs> and then I love when he goes, I'm cool enough. <laughs> I'm cool enough. God, that movie rocks. I got to rewatch School of Rock. I think that is arguably Richard Linklater's best movie. Arguably, arguably. that is his best movie. It's in the con- it is certainly in the conversation. Before Sunrise is so fucking good, but that is that might be it. Anyway, mm-hmm. they were practicing Yes's Roundabout in a basement. He talked his way into the band by convincing the singer that the other band members, Chris Mars, Bob Stinson, and Tommy Stinson, we're going to fire the singer. That's he gaslighted them. <laughs> That's crazy as fuck. Uh, the singer quit, and Westerberg joined the group. The band was originally called the Impotence, 
Yeah, Impotence. And the band played their first gig in the basement of a church playing members, uh, playing to members of a nearby halfway house who did not appreciate their drunken shenanigans. They soon changed their name to the replacements after several venues declined to advertise their band under that name. The replacements broke up in 1991. Their final album, All Shook Down, was mainly a Westerberg solo project, and there are a number of guest performers and three other members of the band, including Slim Dunlap, who had replaced Bob Stinson three years earlier, and tour to, of support for Please to Meet Me made minimal contributions as well. Westerberg has been honored with two stars on the, out, uh, on the outside mural of the Minneapolis nightclub First Avenue, recognizing performers that have played sold-out shows or have otherwise demonstrated a major contribution to the culture at the iconic venue. Westerberg and the replacements each have a star on the mural, making Westerberg one of the few musicians to be honored with multiple stars. Receiving a star, quote, might be the most prestigious public honor an artist can receive in Minneapolis, according to Steve Marsh, a journalist. And last but not least, Stereo is the fourth album released by Paul Westerberg solo. At this point in the career, the former replacements leader was entering a new phase. He had said goodbye to professional studios and big-name producers like Brendan O'Brien and Don Was, recording the album in his basement by himself. As detailed in the liner notes, Westerberg made no effort to fix imperfections like the tape running out in the middle of a song. Stereo was also packaged with mono, which he's credited with his grandpa boy, as we said before. Vagrant Records also had a limited release of mono as a separate album, uh, but on November 29th, 2019, Stereo and Mono were released as a double LP as part of Record Store Day's Black Friday. And of course, there is a hidden track that closes Stereo, Postcards from Paradise, and that is a cover of a Flesh for Lulu song. Mason, who, what, which, when, or where? Mercedes Valuable Player for Stereo and or Mono. Um, My Mercedes Valuable Player for both of these projects is just um, writing songs and hitting record and uh, doing what you can with, with, what, you, with what you have. Uh, I think that's just kind of a general thing that I appreciate and respond to with create, creators and, and creation and stuff like that. Um, uh, you know, there's a lot of work, uh, and people that are like, can be like studio technicians. I, I'm really incredibly impressed with, with their knowledge and their, and that, that sort of professional side of things. Uh, but even if you're a guy like Paul Westerberg, who's been a, uh, an influential artist, just, just making your own studio, hitting record and, um, you know, packaging that and putting it out. Um, I think that's a really, I, I, that is the, the thing here that I really, am holding on to so much. Uh, like I said, Mono is kind of a Maguire sniff album for me. I love that whole thing top to bottom, but I would give my Zevon uh, to, if you, um, we may be the ones, um, because I can't, I think that moving forward, we should be playing that in every graduation slideshow. Um, other songs that I loved, Baby Learns to Crawl, like Noah, only Lie Worth Telling, No Place for You, Boring Enormous, We May Be the One, Don't Want Never, Mr. Rabbit, and Let the Bad Times Roll. I also like Call That Gone um, as well. Uh, recommend for me. Straight down the middle. Recommend for both of these projects. Slight Edge to Mono. Um, but really, really, really enjoyed listening to this and living and hearing Paul Westerberg's, Westerberg's songs. Uh, Noah. I'm going to give my Mercedes Valuable Player to that thing that I was describing earlier, that intangibleness uh, that I was talking about, that nakedness, that vulnerability, that, like, shyness almost that I feel when I listen to Stereo by Paul Westerberg. Uh, and Mono's good. Don't get me wrong. Folks, don't get me wrong. It's good. 
But there's something about that nakedness on stereo that I just keep coming back to, and I've been coming back to for over half a year at this point, easily over half a year at this point. So full recommend for both, truthfully. If you are a fan of 80s alternative, post-punk, whatever, Paul Westerberg, that whole scene, and you haven't heard these, today, folks, today. Full recommend on the whole thing, stereo and mono. And that is that, Mason. Hey, Mason. Hey. hey, hey. Mason. Hey, hey. Mason. Yes. If I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. Uh-huh. What? Haha. It's true. What movie are we talking about next? Folks, we are talking about Don Hertzfeld's 2012 animated hour-long. I guess that counts as a feature. Hour-long film. It's a feature. It's such a beautiful yeah. day. That's a fucking snap. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh You're telling me. You're telling oh me. You're just going to drop this fucking thing on me? <laughs> Dude. <sighs> it's full recommend. Just say it. Full recommend. Right yeah, off the top. Full let's, recommend. Let's, 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 let's not mince words here. Let's. This is what the people want. Let's just get it right out of the way. What full a, recommend. What a fucking note. What a note to end things on here <laughs> on your run, chef. Just, just this is fucking. Ah! This, uh, yeah. Full recommend. The fact that Don Hertzfeld is not a literally a household name. He should be mm. a household name. Yeah, my parents should know that name. Straight yeah. up, is criminal. He gets my Mercedes valuable player for everything that he's ever done. Because yeah. although he does have people who come in and help him, he is sort of a one-man wrecking crew for the most part. Yeah. Anything that he's ever made is an automatic catfish for me. Yep. At this point. Yep. It's nuts. It's nuts. But, Mason, <laughs> we, are, we are really getting, we are really putting the cart before the horse here. We are putting the pod before Thank you the for cast. listening to It's On The List. <laughs> this has been... <laughs> What's your history with Donnie H? And it's such yeah, a Yeah, um... I think the one of the earliest things I can uh, Don Hertzfeld memories I have is maybe my cousin showing me some of or no I remember when I was uh, a kid in like the kind of early to mid two thousands internet that the uh, my spoon is too big and I am a banana from Rejected Tunes was kind of like a MySpace avatar or something like that like just oh, the wow. guy holding the spoon the the banana coming. Hey, banana like in that kind of like roar means i love you and dinosaur tier of things let's go and yeah and so i knew like just those little designs from from the, back then and then i can't remember the first time that i watched all of the rejected tunes all the way through but the most vivid memory i have is sitting in the back of the bus with some of my friends on the way to a band trip or something and one of them had the rejected tunes on his iPod or iPhone or something. We just watched it and we're just like giggling our little butts off on the way to wherever we were going. Uh, rejected tunes. Uh, it's it's, I think it's an, an Academy award winning short film that Don Hertzfeld did in the late nineties, early two thousands Academy award nominated because that's the whole thing okay. is that he's never won an Academy award and probably will never win an Academy award. Right, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, uh, my mistake. Thank you. It's um, fine. That, it's fine. It's fine. Rejected tunes. If you're not familiar, it's a a pair. It's a it's like uh, uh, a collection of fake 
cartoons that Don Hertzfeld made for the family learning channel, like just things that were going to be like in between uh, intertitles. It's like kind of a commentary on like art and commerce and things like that. Uh, it's really funny. It's really, really cheeky. And then in 2016, I watched World of Tomorrow because uh, I think that yes. might have actually been on Netflix. Uh, and that was big with the kind of like critics that I was following at the time. Like the AV Club really stu- uh, stumped for it. I think uh, David Ehrlich did in 2016. And so I watched it and I was just like, uh, oh, okay, I am going to be feeling some kind of way now. I am no. just going to be thinking about eternity for the rest of uh, the rest of my week here. Very cool. Um, and I think because Don Hertzfeld likes to sit you down and get you thinking about big topics like life, uh, uh, eternity, things like that, I tend to avoid his movies because they make me feel some kind of way, make me feel uh, like just a, a big pall of fucking goo on this earth here. But you know what? Uh, once you, you know, uh, I must not fear. Fear's the mind killer. Fear's little death right, that brings total course, obliteration. I must face my fear. I will permit it to pass through me and over me. When right. the fear is gone, I will turn the inner eye to see its path, and then only I will remain. All right. that stuff. We all know the litany against fear. We're going to go to McDonald's um, on a tr- on a Arrakis. Arrakis, get the yes. Arrakis meal, which is sand, mostly sand, and like one, sand, yeah. one toenail clipped straight from Mason M. Yeah. So we're going to yeah, eat yeah, that. Yeah. We're going to have our diet Dr. Kelp. Right? Yes. I was, thinking, diet about, Dr. I was thinking about the a diet, diet Dr. Kelp <laughs> and a Mingus Dew. <laughs> I was thinking about Diet Dr. Kelp the other day because I got some Jersey Mike's yesterday and I took it home right. with me mm-hmm. and I ordered mm-hmm. the jalapeno Miss Vicky's chips. But they mm-hmm. gave but they gave me the normal Miss Vicky's chips. And I no. literally said out loud, How am I supposed to eat this pizza without my drink? <laughs> Still no pickles. <laughs> no, that is so disturbing, dude. Fuck bubble bubble bass for real, though. Yeah. No, if I saw bubble bass in public, it's on site. It's on site for that fuck. I'm killing him. I'm straight up murdering <laughs> bubble bass with a gun. I'm bringing a gun into a club and shooting bubble bass. And that's You're right. that's on God. And that's and that's tea, sis. Sip sip. Um, uh, yummy, yummy, yummy. I love my tea and I'm going to sip it up. <laughs> uh, but even with that, it's such a beautiful day, I think was on my radar. Because this came out my, it was 2012, so it would have been my senior year of college or freshman year. Senior year of high school or freshman year of college. Right when I was like getting into movie mace mode, like going to, getting ready to go to film school and stuff. And it was just like anything that was like just outside the mainstream was kind of on my radar, even if I wasn't, like, seeking it out to watch it. It was just, like, getting cataloged. Um, so this has actually, this film, Noah, has been on my list I for almost a decade. I knew it, Almost baby. a decade, and I've finally watched it. Um, so I'm going to end that there. What's, what's, what's up with you and old Don H here? Can you do me just one favor, since this is technically the last normal episode? Can you just once go... Back to you, Noah. Back to you, Noah. <laughs> I'm eating crap. <laughs> I'm eating crap. Thank you, Mason. I'm e- I'm 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 eating so much pussy. I'm shitting clay. <laughs> uh, shout out to Veep. Shout out to Timothy Simons on Veep. 
That guy is awesome as fuck. He's hilarious. He is hilarious. Everyone's good on that show, to be totally honest with you. That is the Ianucci mm-hmm. that I like. I'll say it. Yeah. I liked yeah. the first season of Veep. I watched the first season of Veep, I think, last summer. I thought it was really funny. Really fucking funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I might watch even more. Truthfully, I might watch okay. even more. And But there's all this fucking TV I gotta watch, Mason. I gotta watch The Dropout on Hulu. I gotta watch Winning Better Time Call Saul. on HBO Gotta catch up with Max. Better Call Saul. I'm watching fucking Severance on Apple TV+. Plus. I can't keep up with all my fucking apps. Oh, Fuck. man. I, uh... I'm uh, uh I, I'm so behind on uh the evil therapist show with Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell. I can't I don't even have time to get Apple TV plus I'm too busy watching Plex. Too busy watching Fubo. Watching Whatever. I'm I'm scrolling Tubi every day and night watching old episodes of the PJs. Gotta catch up on the PJs. I'm watching Uncle Cousin Skeeter on <laughs> On Paramount Plus. On Paramount Plus. I'm watching Dougal on Crackle with ads, free with ads. I'm watching, I'm catching up on The Office, but only the Robert California season. <laughs> I'm watching The Blacklist, but only after he left The Blacklist. Which I don't know if he actually did. I'm just fucking making shit up. Yeah, TV used to be so awesome. You just would sit down and just click around, watch random shit. Now we have to now now you got to actually know what you want to watch beforehand. Now that now that you're at on, TV is so much worse now that you are in control of what you're watching TV. I just want to turn on fucking AMC and be like halfway into Last of the Mohicans That's and then so my true, mom Dusty. comes in and goes, "Go outside. It's a beautiful summer day." <laughs> it's a beautiful day. It's such a beautiful it day. It's such a beautiful day. It's such a beautiful it's day. It's such a beautiful day. Yeah, I was sneaking downstairs to watch G4 TV at 6.30 in the morning before school so I could watch footage of military games <laughs> so my parents wouldn't get mad at me. And one time, my dad did see me doing it, asked me, are you watching something that you're not supposed to? And I said yes. He said, thank you for telling the truth. You're grounded for three days. <laughs> mm. And I was like, I'm never telling the truth ever again, by the way. So my history with Donner, it's <laughs> such that I think this was the first thing I ever saw from him. Actually. Okay, very cool. Very and cool. I and I wasn't using Letterboxd at the time that I watched this, but mm-hmm. I would bet a small sum of money mm-hmm. that this was the last movie I watched before I went to college. Mm, because okay. this movie came out in 2012, and when mm-hmm. I watched it, it was actually on Netflix, straight up. This movie was just yeah, on Netflix. That. There was a period of time where this movie just happened to exist on Netflix. This movie is nowhere except Don Hertzfeldt's personal Vimeo as of this recording. That is the as, only yes. place that you can watch it online or even re- buy it online. You might still yeah. be able to get the fucking Bitter Films Blu-ray I have it somewhere in my fucking boxes, you know? But I don't know what's going on with that. But for mo- all intents and purposes, Don Hertzfeldt's Vimeo is the only place where you can rent or own It's Such a Beautiful Day right now. But yeah. there was a time where it was on Netflix, free to watch, free to watch, quote unquote. And I watched it, and I had no idea what I was getting into. Absolutely mm. no idea. It's sort of like when I watched Buffalo for 66 for the first time, and I thought it was mm. going to be sort of a quirky indie comedy, <laughs> to, be, to be honest with you. 
And that's kind mm. of what I thought It's Such a Beautiful Day was going to be as well. I thought it was going to have sort of like a Pixar shorts feel to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I could not have been further from the truth. Yeah. This thing blew me around town, dude. This fucking split me down the middle so much that I had not watched it until this record. I had not watched mm-hmm. it in almost seven years because of how just impactful this thing was. And I think about it all the time. And Mason, I'm not going to share my screen with you, but you're going to have to trust me on this. My desktop background is a shot from It's Such a Beautiful Day and has been since 2015. It is the shot of him going to visit his real father, and it just says, you are forgiven. And it's been my background since, basically since. It's yeah. unbelievable. So I actually do get to watch a little piece of that movie every single day, which is kind of amazing. That's incredible. Um, and Great then gift I, to give yourself. I would agree. So I would go to the college with this movie sort of in my mind, and I'm like, I wonder if other people have seen this. I don't know. You know, like, I, I, I just don't remember or whatever. But then World of Tomorrow comes out my second semester uh, of my freshman year, and I'm like, oh, I know this guy. And then everybody watches it and is like, oh, Don Hertzfeld's actually super fucking good. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. I know. I yeah. know he's really fucking good. <laughs> and sort of in the interim, I think either after World of Tomorrow had come out or when I knew that it was coming out and between when I had watched it, Such a Beautiful Day, I pretty much watched all the major stuff. I watched Rejected. Mm-hmm. I watched Billy's Balloon. I watched Lily and Jim, which are all animated shorts that have all done amazing on the festival circuit. I watched, I've seen at this point, all of The World of Tomorrows, and because of how It's Such a Beautiful Day is put together, I've seen all of It's Such a Beautiful Day, all three parts that create this feature. So I've seen all the major works of Don Hertzfeld Mm -hmm. at this point. There's little things here and there that I haven't seen. And he, we really should be talking about him when we talk about not only the greatest filmmakers that are alive today, but just the greatest filmmakers who have ever lived. Genuinely. Like, I don't think Mm -hmm. that is like, too crazy a statement. Would you agree? I don't think so. Um, certainly today, uh, just if if you know if you're not if you're listening to this, folks, and you're not aware of what this movie's about, it is an hour long um, animated film about a guy, Bill, and just like kind of his like anxiety and sort of generational trauma, and just like the story of his the life that he has basically, and. By sort of, you know, in kind of through that lens, the life that we all more or less have. Um, and it's not just, I think you could, I, I saw um, screenshots of this movie. Um, like the one that comes to mind most vividly is the one that's on the poster, which is him looking at that uh, that tree in front of his building. Yeah. Uh, or like the branches of the tree in front of his building. And I guess in my mind, I thought it was just going to be like, um, well, what I really like about this movie is how it um, is, you know, animated and it has that kind of like um, classic John Hertzfeld, just like um, very uh, 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 polygonal shapes. I get oh, not polygonal. What am I thinking? Simple here? shapes. Like simple shapes. Simple shapes. Yes. Uh, not to it's the animation is incredible and so striking and so um, fluid and and um, beautiful. Um, but they're not very, it's not very intricate. Um, but he also brings in like, um, video footage, yeah. um, 
and kind just of, these like these like yeah. effects. Like Mason, I have I don't know how he made this movie. It is like a miracle yeah. that this film looks the way it does and that he knew how to do it. Because watching it yeah. pre film school and now having watched it post film school, you know, I was making movies and stuff even before film school, but it just blows my mind that someone yeah. thought of how to make this movie. Yeah, I I don't I don't, I don't want to get ahead of the fast facts. I didn't do t- since I just watched this basically right before we started recording. I didn't look into the production of it or whatever, but it just like kind of has that that life and that feel to it that you that that you get from things that are kind of you know, I'm sure he set out with like a plan and a script. It's like I want to get this, that, the other thing, but he also like just allowed for kind of inspiration and Yeah, he for, left the door open, so to speak. Left the door open. Yeah. Um which is like I guess like with similarly with the, the Paul Westerberg stuff from earlier, like that's, you know, um it's always good to go into some kind of um artistic uh endeavor with a idea of like just an idea of something. And totally. uh, you know, um and more or less a plan, whatever a plan means to you, I think is on the the person that is creating something. You know, some people like to be so rigidly like like Paul Schrader movies are just like and scripts are so like yeah uh, uh, segmented and so structured in a way and like that's what I really like about Paul Schrader is like okay he's going to be building something he's going to be building something in front of me while I'm watching this and some other things like it's such a beautiful day um, well the famous I think like the, just the famous example that I was mm-hmm. always that I always think about is on one end of the spectrum you have Alfred Hitchcock who says yeah. making a yes, movie yes, is yes, easy. Yes. All you have to do is do exactly what you said you were going to do in pre-production. That's exactly, but that's what he basically yeah. said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's no improv in those movies. He just says, "This is what we're doing next," and everybody yeah. does it next. On mm. the complete other side of that spectrum, is this have, fucking podcast? Is this podcast, which never no one has any idea what's happening at any given moment, including us or anyone listening, uh-huh. mm-hmm. is Francis Ford Coppola making Apocalypse Now? Yeah. Just wake up, write something. Who knows if it's even going to fucking be in the movie? We just got to film something today, and then I'm going to finance the movie myself because no one else will finish it for me. Those are the two ends yeah. of the spectrum, and that's always what I think about. Most people fall somewhere in between. Most people, I was going to, yeah. Uh, uh, Francis Ford Coppola is probably the... Uh, most most expensive version of that, but that's also like how Hong Sang Soo makes his movies sure. too. Like he gets his 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 sets together, his actors, the costumes. He wakes up at like two in the morning or whatever on the day of filming, writes this day's scenes, and then he has his little you know. Then you have a Hong Sang Soo movie. Um, and then we all go home and kiss but yes, our wives. I, I agree. I th- huh? We all go home and kiss our wives. We do go home and kiss our we our beautiful wife. Kim Min Hee, uh, or his we, partner. I don't think they're actually married. Doesn't and matter. And we say, this is not my beautiful house. This is not my beautiful wife. Oh, the days go by, the water under God. And the days yeah. go by, that whole thing. We Noah, did you thing. know that there's uh, there's water at the bottom of the ocean? Remove the water, carry the water, remove the water from the vi- bottom of the ocean. Yup. Yup. I didn't know that. Thank you for letting Same me know. Same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. Where the days go by... Um, Mason, I don't Noah. know how to talk about this movie. 
genuinely don't know how to talk about this movie. Other than, here's what I can... I'm going to just tell you what I can say about this and just mm-hmm. say, this is just one of those that has to be seen to be understood, or not even understood, just to be felt. You're not going to... I'm not gonna like cons- like wrap your fucking head around this shit. That's massive. It's so insane. But just mm-hmm. to feel the feelings of this. But here's what here's here's some things I will say. Mm-hmm. The animation, as you noted, is singular and so like has that just signature stamp on it that you know you're watching a Don Hertzfeld film from the minute it starts, the second it starts. The way he's able to frame things is so mm-hmm. insane. Mm-hmm. He has that, like, split-screen effect where it's, like, shit's popping up, you know, like, in different, like, areas of the picture, and he's using space very interestingly. And just mm-hmm. the spectacle of this film, just the way that those mixed-media things are used, those light leaks, the way that the colors, like, gradually and organically shift, like, in yes. between, yes, like, yes, as yes. things start to get more erratic and things start to get more insane. Uh, the sound design is pretty incredible, and he does a lot of that shit himself too, which is pretty amazing. That is literally could be someone else's entire job is just to do the sound design for this movie, and he's like, yeah. "Nope, I'm doing that too." And he writes this shit too. And again, I don't know to what degree he writes everything out, or he's just sort of like, "Here's the vibe that I'm going for." But the two mm-hmm. moments in this that just are always going to stick with me are the opening of chapter two when he is talking about uh, his mom for the first time. Yeah. And he talks about how his mom uh, writes him the I am so proud of you notes, even though she's, like, kind of dealing with her own shit. It, like, is even, like, hard to talk about right now. It's just so touching and so beautiful. Um, And then the scene where I I talked about where I have it on my desktop where he goes to visit his real dad quote-unquote you know whatever that fully means in the context of the story yeah. and he just says like we sat down to watch a game show we didn't really say much except for i got up and said you are forgiven he didn't really understand what that meant but i'm glad i said it and then he leaves like i was just mm-hmm. like or it's just like it's just it's some things are just so touching and so astounding and so amazing that you can't talk about it you can't describe it you can't mm-hmm accurately portray the feeling of watching it and just that entire ending sequence is like it's just a gift it's just a gift dude it's unreal um it's it is unreal there's um it it packs into an hour a like kind of um feeling that i got from something that's very short and then also something that's very, very long. I'm going to start with totally. the long thing first. Um, the long thing uh, is one of my absolute favorite um, books, which is Chris Ware's uh, The Adventures of Jimmy Corrigan, The Smartest Boy on Earth. Uh, I got that comic. Um, it's really hefty. Um, and I sat down and I read that whole thing in like three hours on my futon in Los Angeles. Um, and in that book, that book goes like – jumps through time and generations um in a much more uh uh, i guess it has a the thing with it's such a beautiful day is it's a story about one guy's life and then his like 
the entire thing is filtered through the prism of like his experience, like his relationship with his mom, his relationship with his grandmother, his whole family, basically um, the loves that he has, the love that he loses his, his specific anxieties, the like the little things like, you know, he won't get um, produce from the front of the pile yeah. because he's, he doesn't want it to be like close to people's like crotches or whatever. And then how as his uh, it's, it, it, this is a very psychologically, um, intense movie. Uh, and just his really relationship into... to like society and stuff too. Like, yes, just, like yes, through yes, yes. through the greater you know scope of it yeah. all. It's like all of just how this guy yeah. feels like he doesn't belong almost. You know, in this yeah. world to a greater or lesser degree, it's wild. Yes, and uh, Jimmy Corrigan. Just to, just to talk about, uh, I would full recommend Jimmy Corrigan as well. Uh, it's a sort of a a, a a story about like sort of um, specifically fathers and sons and how those 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 relationships, um, that particular relationship, or fathers and their offspring or whatever, how that, um, you know, just a sort of way that that goes. The other thing that this reminded me of was. Um, uh, there's a great free bookstore that I think I've mentioned on the show a couple times in Chicago called Books for Cause. And I like to go there whenever I'm like kind of feeling in the mood for just cleaning out the shelves. Uh, and one of the things that I picked up in um, last time I went, which may have been December or January, was um, this collection of um, – it's like a, a collection of eight comedies or something like that. It's an old book, but I specifically went to Books for Cause that day hoping to find a copy of the the, the script for Uncle Vanya because it was after oh, I had wow. seen Drive My yeah. Car, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I wanted to read that. And so um, a couple days ago, a friend of mine had watched Drive My Car for the first time when we were talking about it. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I have this this book still and I have it for free. It's kind of old. It's falling apart. And, you know, every time I open it up, it kind of sets off my allergies. So I don't know if I'll be reading this copy of Uncle Vanya, but I certainly like to have it. And what I did was I just took the last monologue, Sonia's monologue at the end and just like put it on my bulletin board right above my head where she goes, uh, we're. Uh, Voitsky goes, oh, my child, I'm so miserable. If only you knew how miserable I am. Uh, well, what can we do? We, and then Sonia says, what can we do? We must live our lives. Yes, we shall live, Uncle Vanya. We shall live through the long procession of days before us and through the long evenings. We shall patiently bear the trials and fate impo- that fate imposes on us. I don't want to go do the whole thing. But that's the, whole the vibe. Thing, you know? That's the vibe. It is. It's, it's very much just like the beauty in this movie to me is – the the sadness in this the the sort of sadness and the tragedy of this movie is that like maybe for Bill he realizes too late, you know the colors and the the senses that are all around him. Um, but what's great about art is it can kind of condense that anxiety, can condense that feeling that life is is passing you by, or that you know you're burdened by your past, or you are you have nothing to look forward to, um, or just just whatever you know, just, just these trials that you live through, these these things that take take your your mind out of your body. Um, or whatever, and leaves you feeling like, you know, there's, there's sunlight to be felt on your face still. There's, there's, there's a breeze you can still, you can sit in a field still and feel the breeze on you. And, you know, some of us are lucky enough to do something with our lives, to do things with our lives, to, to make and create things that last and, and speak to particular human experience and live for forever. But at the very base level, what we are here to do as people is just to, you know, just just experience and feel what life is is giving to us. Um, to to hold on to that, like I guess, sense of 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 love and and, and possibility and and be and, and grace and and you know, give forgiveness when it's when it's needed. Um, to to uh, 
you know, just, just try, like, try not to be, like, being anxious about, like, just crotch-level produce or something, if that is where you're putting your, 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 um, anxiety or your sort of mental, emotional, um, and I'm certainly, if listening to a podcast, listening to me talk, you, I'm sure the audience can intuit that I'm kind of an anxious, weird fella, you know, mm-hmm. and so sometimes those feelings get the better of me, um, and I really do love and find such affirmation out of something like It's a Beautiful Day, where it just reminds you that whatever you do, you got to find the beauty in a day. You got to find a, you got to have a beautiful day every day of your life. Sometimes it can be something as big as, you know, just the environment and the weather around you. Or you have just like a couple of like really strong experiences in a day or do a lot in your evening or something. You like go out, you do karaoke, you leave it all on the dance floor, do whatever the fuck you want to do. But even if it's something as like small as just waking up next to somebody you love and just noticing like the little napes in their neck, um, the way that they, the the reflection in their eyes as it opens and greets the day for the first time, um, that's it. That's what life is. That's what living is. It's it's it, you can get caught up in like just the small trials of your day and thinking that that is all that your life is. Are these like leaving the keys in the right spot? These routines and things like that. But it's your life is the whole of your experience, and it's only yours. And that's just. That's kind of what I got from this, you know, and that's why it's like, what a note to end to end things on here, you know, like this just kind of and it it brings it back to I think yearbook, which you know we had episodes we recorded you know discussions and episodes before we talked about yearbook by um, Bernardo Brito on the podcast, but you know you say that or maybe Thomas S says or somebody might say that the Gax episode is the start of the show but for me the start of the show is when we talked about yearbook and George Washington uh and Warren Zevon and Warren Zevon don't forget and Warren and excitable boy by Warren Zevon um but that's where we tasted catfish for the first time that's where we tasted catfish for the first time just Folks, if if this if if our enthusiasm for this is not enough to get you to spend the five dollars on a rental, I would say spend ten dollars and just buy it and have it on Vimeo for yeah, yourself. Dude. Literally, um, literally, just own this thing. You'll come back to this yeah. thing in pieces or just in its whole in its entirety throughout the course of your life. Um, I think, Jenny, I'm not saying this flippantly either. Um, I do think that if David Foster Wallace had lived to watch this movie, he would have loved it. There is big David Foster Wallace mm-hmm. energy coming from this movie, and I think that he... Big D, DFW energy. Truly. There is truly... I literally wrote DFW would love this movie. Because there are very... It's, it is a hard comparison point to be like, well, what's this movie like? I don't know. <laughs> I have no fucking idea yeah. what this movie's like. There is a yeah. little DFW in there. There's a little Synecdoche, New Yorkness in there, you know... But it's entirely its own thing. It is truly, entirely, wholly its own thing. And I will read this quote and then do the fast facts. And then we will wrap this shit up. This is the last lines of the film. He will spend hundreds of years traveling the world, learning all there is to know. He will learn every language. He will read every book. He will know every land. He will spend thousands of years creating stunning works of art. He will learn to meditate to control all pain. All wars will be fought and great loves found and lost and found, lost and found and found and found. And memories built upon memories until life runs on an endless loop. 
He will father hundreds of thousands of children whose own exponential offspring he will slowly lose track of through the years, whose millions of beautiful lives will all eventually be swept again from the earth. And still, Bill will continue. He will learn more about life than any being in history, but death will forever be a stranger to him. People will come and go until names lose all meaning, until people lose all meaning and vanish entirely from the world, and still, Bill will live on. He will befriend the next inhabitants of Earth, beings of light who revere him as a god, and Bill will outlive them all for millions and millions of years, exploring, learning, living. Until the Earth is swallowed beneath his feet, until the sun is long since gone, until time loses all meaning and the moment comes that he only knows the positions of the stars and sees them whether his eyes are open or closed until he forgets his name and the place he'd once come from he lives and lives until all of the lights go out so go ahead and just go rent the movie <laughs> because <laughs> god damn dude it is that's it dude that's the that's it that's it that's it that's it that's it don hertzfeld is an american writer Animator and independent filmmaker, two-time Academy Award nominee, known for the animated films It's Such a Beautiful Day, The World of Tomorrow series, and Rejected. In 2014, he appeared. his work appeared on The Simpsons. He did do a couch dag- gag for them. Eight of his shorts have competed at the Sundance Film Festival, which is a festival record. He is the only filmmaker to have won the Sundance Film Festival's Grand Jury Prize for short film twice. There you go. Hertzfeld has been described as some of the most influential. Hertzfeld's work has been described as some of the most influential animation ever created, some of the most vital and expressive animation of the millennium, and some of the most essential short films of the last 20 years. In 2020, GQ described his work as simultaneously tragic and hilarious, and philosophical and crude, and deeply sad and fatalist, and yet stubbornly, resolutely hopeful. Agreed. Hertzfeld was born. Myself. I know. Seriously. Hertzfeld was born August 1st, 1976 in Alameda County, California, the son of an airline pilot and county library clerk. In his childhood, Hertzfeld drew homemade comic books and about the age of 15 began to teach himself animation with a VHS video camera. While at film school, Hertzfeld was drawn to animation as it was less expensive for him to work in. He could not afford to buy the numerous rolls of 16 mil film required to shoot live action, and he stated, quote, I think I've always approached animation from a strange angle, a bit like a regular filmmaker who just happens to animate. Editing, writing, sound, those are the things that usually come first in my head. Animation is often just the busy work I need to get through to get through to connect the dots and tell the story. His influences include Spielberg, Kubrick, David Lynch, Monty Python, yikes, don't like him anymore. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just playing. Do not recommend. <laughs> yeah, fuck this shit. Uh, Stan Brackage, silent movie slapstick, and the animated shorts of Artemon, and Bill Plimpton. Mason, you ever seen any Bill Plimpton animations in your life? Uh, yes, just Bambi versus Godzilla. I would check out a, a, he if you liked this, you'll like Plimpton. It's not quite as ethereal, but there's a lot of the similar sensibilities, especially in the humor realm, I would say. Uh, Hertzfeld often does not often does not use computers in his animation or photography process. This forces him to draw every element on the screen over and over again, lending his films their jittery kinetic appearance. He also mm-hmm. often forges animating traditional keyframes and instead simply draws straight ahead. 
an insane thing to do, but of course he does that. Uh, in a March 2009 blog entry, Hertzfeld compared filmmaking to his love of hiking and exploring new places, something he does just because, quote, in, I enjoy, or he enjoys doing it and will probably always enjoy doing it. He compared doing advertising to being paid uh, to not uh, go. He compared doing advertising to being paid to not going to explore the woods, but to walk around someone's house eight hours a day wearing a sandwich board with a picture of a product on it. Money is not the reason I take walks. It doesn't really factor into it. I take walks because I enjoy doing it. It's something I'd do if I was rich, and it's something I would do if I was poor. Genius. <laughs> Genius! Uh, it's Such a Beautiful Day is a 2012 American experimental animated film written, directed, filmed, photographed, produced by Hertzfeld and his first feature film. The film is divided into three chapters, all of which were originally released in theaters as animated shorts. The first chapter, Everything Will Be Okay, was released in 2006 and received the grand prize at the Sundance Film Festival. The second, I Am So Proud of You, was released in 2008 and the titular third film, It's Such a Beautiful Day, in 2011. Upon their original releases, the films were uh, collectively received over 90 festival awards, and obviously in 2012 they were seamed together to create his first feature. Six years in the making, the completed picture was entirely captured in camera. The completed picture was entirely was captured entirely in camera on a 35mm Rostrum animation stand. Built in the 1940s mm. and used by Hertzfeld on every project since 1999, it was one of the last surviving cameras of its kind still operating in the whole world. That wow. is nuts! That's yeah. nuts! The picture blended traditional hand-drawn animation, experimental optical effects, trick photography, and digital hybrids that were printed for photography one frame at a time. The film's signature split-screen effect was achieved by the framing the drawn animation through tiny holes placed beneath the camera lens during the photography with each element in the film frame individually composited through careful multiple exposures. God damn, dude. Give me a there fucking we go. break. That is nuts. Toward the end of production of the final chapter, the old camera's motor began to fail and could no longer advance the film property, riddling the final reels with unintentional light leaks. Interesting. Because awesome. there's a lot of that yeah. kind of shit happening in the final chapter, and some of that might be happy accident, but I will fucking take that, dude. Are you kidding me? I love it. Around the, 12, uh, around, the, around the mark of 12 minutes, 52 seconds, a strange bird utters the phrase, the power of Christ compels you. That phrase, of course, is from 1973's The Exorcist, and it's addressed to the possessed girl in order to remove the demon inside of her. Hmm, interesting. Interesting foreshadowing going on there. Uh, in 2016, the film stage critics ranked this the number one film on their list of best animated films of the 21st century thus far. That same year, three critics polled by the BBC named It's Such a Beautiful Day, one of the greatest films ever made since 2000. In 2019, The Wrap named It Such a Beautiful Day the number one best animated film of the 2010s. Vulture film critics ranked it 12 on their overall list of best movies of the decade. And in 2021, IGN's Cinefix gave it their number one spot on their top 10 animated films of all time list. Full recommend from me and Mason, like we said before. And I have to give my Mercedes Valuable Player to Don Hertzfeld. I don't think there's any other person that it can go to or any other thing that it can go to, but... Maybe I'm wrong, but I just got to give it to Donnie H, just as a guy. Yeah. 
I uh, I agree with you. I'm going to do a co-Mercedes valuable player situation here where, of course, I'm giving it to Donny H because it is such a whole complete thing that he put had his fingerprints on it. Basically every single element of the process here. But I want to zero in on the sound design, which has really sure. left an incredible impression on me from like the first mint frames even of the movie um, where there's uh, just I, once that's kind of weird Lynchian uh, in a complimentary way, uh, sound design, a complimentary and honest way. I'm comparing him to David Lynch. Um, came in at the top there. I'm like, I know I'm going to be in for, for something here. Uh, and I'm really excited. Um, but of course, catfish to, to Don H here to this whole thing. And, uh, yeah, fullest, full, full, full recommend. Um, really, really, man. Yeah, just watch it, folks. I'll put the link to the Vimeo in the description of the episode here so you don't have to go searching for it too much. Really is worth a $5 rental, $10 buy, whatever whatever you think is, is appropriate. I would Honestly, I would nudge you towards just blind buying it and so you, you have it. Um, really, really, really striking, strong work. Inspiring, beautiful. It's such a beautiful day. There's it's not. A a, day. There's not. Hey, much can you see outside my window? There, it is such a beautiful day. Look at that. Look at that coming I'll, through. Sunlight I'll sit coming through. Down by my window and watch Mason. I give him little kisses every day, and I ain't too good at podcasts, as I say, as I fart my shit. Still doing this <laughs> after all after these all years. These years. Whoa! Still doing this doing after, this all, after these all these years. These episodes. Beers. After all these beers. Still drinking after all these beers. Still pissing after all these beers. Oh, still shitting <laughs> after all these beers. You can send us an email. Everybody wants to get on the list at gmail.com. That's to the number two, not two O O or T O. You know the shit. We got one episode left. So if you got an email, send it in now. Now mm-hmm. speak now or forever. Hold your peace. Uh, you can follow the show on social media on Twitter at it's on. Um, it's on the list pod and on Instagram on at it's on underscore the list. You can follow me there as well. Please do not. But I am the Joker of LA on there, or at least I know him. Yeah. Or at least I know him. Yeah. You're a close personal friend of the Joker of L.A. That's true. A close personal friend. Some would would say. Some would say we're more than friends. I don't know. I'm not going to comment on that either. Whoa, starting a rumor mill already? What the hell? What the fuck? I think you guys should have a conversation about what you guys actually are before it starts, you know, before, you know, people's emotions start to, you know, just, just get on the same page. I think it just, it, at this point in your relationship, I think it's good to be on the same page. Me and him having a Kanye Kim type relationship where I'm posting on Instagram, like, don't you see how all the dots connect Joker of LA? Fucking crazy. Uh, you can also listen to my other podcast, my favorite podcast, the podcast about people's favorite things. It's on hiatus, but check out that back catalog. I had to scroll a little bit down to the bottom of the episode listing to find an episode where we like really talked about animation because obviously it's such a beautiful day as an animated film. So go back mm. and listen to episode 11 where I talked to producer Caleb Workovec oh, wow. about uh, Studio Ghibli and Hayao Miyazaki movies. And we talk about three specific movies there and uh that i think is like one of the only times we ever talked about like animation animation on the show thus far so go check that out otherwise 
you guys know what the hell's up. That's all I got. Mason, bring us home. You can find me on the Barna podcast about The Shield. The Shield recently celebrated its 20th anniversary, so there's never been a better time to start that show from the beginning and hear my origins in the podcast sphere with my good friend Connor Crockford. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at Hot Dog Debicki, Hot Dog the Food Debicki the Actress. You can find a link to my um, Teespring in the description of both of those places. You can buy a sticker or a shirt or whatever you want that says all beer should be one dollar on it. Help us spread the manifesto. You can also find me on Letterboxd to keep up with what I am watching and seeing at the movies or in my apartment or wherever I'm watching fucking movies these days. You can follow me on there. Uh, Now that the weather is nice, you can find me again walking the streets of Chicago, um, taking a dip into the green lake and coming out and looking like uh, the skinny, hairy Hulk. Um, and, uh, trying to, uh, maintain a more vegetarian diet and then cheating and having a McChicken and having the worst night terrors of my life. Um, so you can see me in my dreams, I guess. All to get to the point that, folks, for the second to last time on this show, we will say, tell someone you love them this week, do something that you love this week, and we'll wrap things up next week. Thank you guys. Baby likes to crawl, watching daddy's skin. Learns to fall, get up again. Baby learns to cry, watching mama smile. In the mirror, can you hear? Baby learns to swear with your hair. Learns to love. Watching TV Baby learns to cope With what she sees In the mirror Don't go near Baby learns to hide Down on your knees Learns to pray When somebody sleeps Baby, don't you say you love me in the mirror? One last crushing blow, final crashing ball. It's always time to go as you're inching to the door. Let's go. To live, watch daddy's life. Baby learns to give everything away. Baby learns to cry, that means it's alright. In the middle, learn to crawl, watch daddy's skin. Baby learns to crawl, watch daddy's skin. 
I came here to fuck around and fart.